Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning. It is Brian Split with agmarket.net. It is currently uh, January 26th. That's a Thursday at 5.41 a.m. as we speak. March corn is up two and three quarters at 677 and a half. Uh, March soybeans up eight and a half at 1511. March soy meal up 3.3 at 468.8. Uh, we have March Chicago wheat up one and a half at 742 and three quarters of a cent. March hard red wheat KC up four and three quarters at 848. And the March spring wheat up a quarter cent at 909 and three quarters of a cent. Good morning, everyone. We've got uh, several things to talk about here today. Uh, we've got Betsy Jibben along with us as well. So, Betsy, we need some solid analysis from you, too, if uh, if you want to throw something in. But, Brian, the first thing I want to kind of talk about is uh, export sales yesterday. You know, obviously, I'll tell you what, it's been rough as far as corn's been concerned. But we had a couple of surprise uh, sales there yesterday morning. I think corn was maybe a little more notable than soybeans. Uh, you know, what you, uh, what'd you make out of the sales uh, announcements yesterday morning? Well, I think it's important that we're seeing the sale. First of all, this is the sixth sale uh, of the year. Um, so we're starting to see a little bit more activity on the export front for corn, and that's what we need. Uh, it's no secret that we've been running behind the pace that uh, we need to see in order to hit USDA goals. So we are coming up to shipment season. Uh, a lot of these spreads have been trading very strong. So I watch uh, the, the May-July corn spread pretty closely as an indicator of potential export business that's being done and, and getting ready. And uh, that spread after the January report has broken out to the upsides. We're seeing May currently trading about 11 cents over July. And I think these are just good signs of, of future business to come. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think uh, whenever it gets right down to it, a lot of speculation about are we going to see things pick up, of course, you know, in this time frame, uh, this is uh, going to be your prime time for uh, for corn sales and shipments. Uh, quite frankly, sales have just been atrocious. So uh, we need to see both those pick up in, in short order. So uh, hopefully we'll see a little bit more of what we saw yesterday. Uh, ethanol, you know, a little slight uptick. Uh, in ethanol, corn usage for ethanol yesterday. Uh, one thing that I noticed, though, of course, was that uh, stocks up uh, a little bit more than what we'd like to maybe see. And so, you know, I'm not so sure that uh, we're using as much uh, uh, or driving as much as maybe what uh, you would you would hope. But I mean, this is winter time frame, so you got to understand that. But as far as corn usage for ethanol goes, there's been a lot of speculation. We were going to essentially dial back and maybe the USDA was going to have to kind of drop those numbers moving forward. We saw a couple of really rough weeks, but we basically rebounded to the pace that we need. Uh, you know, you think that we'll be able to hold this kind of pace to where we can uh, avoid uh, maybe a cut uh, in future reports? I think so. Um, you know, when you think about what we saw over the last several weeks, maybe a month or so, um, some of the the concerns, like you had mentioned, would be from the stock side of things building a little bit. Uh, but uh, we, we saw a little bit of a, a drop in the run rates, but I think that was just more seasonal, especially with some of that really intense cold that we had. Uh, and, and then we rebounded rather quickly as things uh, moderated weather-wise. So um, the USDA did not see uh, any evidence thus far to reduce corn for ethanol. And, and, and on that January report, they hit the uh, the feed residual. They hit the industrial. They hit the export. Uh, so maybe this this uh, corn for ethanol is going to be a little bit of a, a bright spot here moving forward. And as, as long as uh, we can continue to get uh, corn into the ethanol producers' hands, uh, we're we're going to continue to use it. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think as long as those guys out west don't have to pay up too much, uh, maybe their margins will remain intact enough that they can still kind of boil through some of this. I think one thing that was concerning for me, uh, you know, I've, I've thumbing through, I saw this on AgWeb, uh, Mexico hopes to reduce corn imports 30 to 40 percent. Read through the article, you know, they basically produce all the white corn they need to produce, but, uh, you know, they're talking about major, major uh, reductions by 2024. I mean, that's what, one year away? So, uh, yeah, obviously there's a lot of moving parts here. We discussed this a little bit before we came on we're not going to solve all this but uh this is a definite big red flag i would say wouldn't you think brian it is and so i just don't understand what does mexico are we replacing this corn with something else this is uh, as you'd mentioned they're sufficient on white corn so we're talking yellow number two for livestock production 30 to 40 percent is going to be roughly 16 million tons uh, so does that mean that we are going to see them reduce their their livestock output uh, are they going to be using a different product uh, to to uh, feed the same amount of livestock so there's some questions i have but like you mentioned their goal is to to have this done by january uh, 31st of 2024 so this is just one year away and i just don't know that that's realistic for them to accomplish that absolutely I, you know, I know they've been wanting to cut back on gmo if not eliminate it i think there's just been a lot of rhetoric there but uh, by all means i think they want to cut back on their dependence so be very interesting to see how this plays out moving forward you know obviously as far as weather goes uh you know you're not going to be uh, looking at a whole lot of winter kill which is kind of nice to see but uh um, you know one thing i would note whenever we look at what's going on in the in the plains it sure looks to me like we've we've really started kind of recharge this part of the world uh, it's it's nice to see a storm system actually catch part of texas and uh, kansas uh, uh, definitely not solving all our problems yet but uh, i think a couple of good things here got a little bit of moisture and it doesn't look like according to uh, folks like drew Lerner, that we're going to see much winter kill and i think maybe the thing that is most notable is just the shift in the pattern so we've seen some moisture hit california as you mentioned now we've seen it where we've got a winter storm that's been able to reach texas so uh things do seem to be shifting there is a call for la nina to develop into an el nino and again that takes time for that to happen but we are seeing a general uh, pattern shift in weather and i think that would be uh, more supportive for crops not only domestically but if that pattern does shift that might be beneficial for the safrina crop coming up out of brazil as well Oh, absolutely. And we had a really good uh, webinar on our own uh, site there, you know, a couple of weeks ago with Eric Snodgrass that uh, noted the same thing. I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of pattern shift here that uh, certainly could be something you want to pay very close attention to, not only for South American weather, but of course, what we're talking about here uh, in our part of the world. Uh, you look at Bank of Canada, you know, basically say uh, we're going to have to cut out on these interest rate hikes. And folks are wondering, is the Fed going to follow suit? Uh, you know, I think from the bottom line for me is that the Fed has made all no indication they're going to fall suit with something like this. Um, but at the same time, you've got to ask yourself, uh, is that the way we're going to go? I mean, are we going to keep raising? I don't think we can expect a lot uh, more in interest rate hikes this year, but I think one more rate hike seems to be imminent, uh, at least in my opinion. Yeah, one more seems to be imminent, and, and I don't think there's much discussion uh, uh, against that thought process. But um, we definitely have a, a stock market right now that is making it easier for the Fed to continue on their path of raising rates. We haven't really seen this major washout in equities. We've definitely seen a, a more of a downward trend, uh, but it's been able to hold itself together and, and find really good bounces. So uh, at least from the uh, the perspective of concerns about the, the equity market rolling over and taking uh, a, a big haircut, we've seen a, a, the Dow, the S&P, and the NASDAQ all really recover nicely off of major lows that were made. Uh, and I think that just makes the Fed's job a little bit easier and continue on the path they're on. 
No, absolutely. I totally agree. You know, a lot of, a lot of unrest going on, of course, uh, this week a little bit, uh, you know, you see tensions uh, go down, tensions go up. Uh, but in my opinion, we've got a lot going on here. And I know, uh, Brian, I'm not going to steal your thunder. You made a couple of really good points when we talked about these couple of headlines here. Uh, we could have some interesting uh, uh, battles, uh, U.S. equipment versus U.S. equipment coming up. Uh, but, you know, what's going on in that part of the world? It's not a laughing matter, uh, but there's certainly a lot of issues that uh, uh, could have a big impact uh, worldwide, not only uh, just when we're talking corn and wheat, for instance, but, uh, you know, uh, you know, share with us what you were uh, telling me before we went on the show, Brian. Right. So <clears throat> we've got U.S. and Germany are going to send battle tanks to Ukraine. Um, and so that in and of itself would provide the Ukraine with a little bit more uh, support here militarily. Do we Does that lead to an increase in kinetic act? kinetic activity in the Black Sea region. Uh, and then at the same time, we have Putin in negotiations with the Taliban, and that was reported through the Taliban's Telegram channel. Um, and so what that means is maybe we have a scenario where uh, we just uh, negotiated for the release of, of the uh, death merchant, um, which is a Russian arms dealer. Is this the gentleman that is now dealing with the Taliban to try to secure um, military equipment that was left by the U.S. in Afghanistan? And as you had mentioned, are we going to have uh, U.S. tanks on one side of the battlefield uh, at some point fighting uh, U.S. equipment that was left in Afghanistan. And so we're going to have military equipment from the United States on both sides of this conflict. Um, and and uh, that's, I don't know if I want to laugh about that or cry about that, but that, that's uh, just an interesting thought process. And so are we going to see an increase in, in the military kinetic activity in the first three to six months of, of 2023 if this comes to fruition? Yeah, we certainly have to see cooler heads uh, prevail, or that's what we would, would hope to see. But as of right now, you know, there's certainly a lot of uh, uh, a lot going on in that part of the world. So you look at money supply versus inflation. I mean, obviously, inflation's backed off somewhat, but uh, I know you were talking about this quite a bit ahead of time, Brian. I think you got some pretty good analysis here. Yeah, this is from longtermtrends.com, and it just shows the M2 money supply growth uh, versus the inflation rate, so the CPI. And uh, I, I just think the thing that we're looking at pointing out here is that uh, as the um, as the M2 money supply has rolled over, uh, we should typically see the uh, the CPI lag and, and eventually roll over as well. So it looks like that is starting. And I think it's notable to point out that the M2 money supply uh, has now gone negative. Um, and so uh, we've seen that uh, uh, generally start to level off at this point. But do, do we see CPI come back down and hit some of these levels where we've seen uh, in, in possibly 2014, 15, 16, where it's back into that 2%, 1% area? Um, and so it's just definitely something worth watching out for if you're uh, one of those uh, bulls on inflation based on M2 money supply. The M2 money supply is, is contracting rather aggressively right now. No, absolutely. And so, uh, you know, as we're going to wrap up here, Brian, uh, what, what do you got going on in the livestock world? Yeah, so yesterday we did have a pretty quiet uh, market in the proteins. Uh, April live cattle was up 25 points. April lean hogs down five, and uh, March feeders were up 15. Uh, with the corn board higher this morning, maybe we see a little bit of pressure early in feeders and then see how we go from there. Uh, crude oil currently up 63 cents in the March contract. Uh, products are mixed. Arbob up 22 points. Heating oil down 50. It uh, looks like natural gas down yet another 13 cents. We're trading just below 280 on natural gas currently. Uh, U.S. dollar up four. 
14 at 101.55. And we've got some mixed trade in the equities. Uh, Dow futures down 25. S&P is up six and the NASDAQ is up 65. So uh, we're going to wrap it up with that. Uh, thank you for listening and, and we'll be back with you tomorrow. And uh, hey, Joe, thanks for letting us uh, have control of the show as we you took the training wheels off for us to uh, go do the AgView Solutions meeting in Florida with the uh, Chris Barron and, and Shea folks. We really appreciate that. Absolutely.